Greetings, and welcome to another episode of The Thirsty Mage. I am your host, and person who enjoys variety in my GRPGs, David Lloyd. With me as always is another gentleman who always appreciates trying something new, Jordan Rudick. Yeah, hi David. Uh, I, I think I uh, might have come down with what uh, Guy had last week, so uh, I'm going to do my best to get through here, but uh, I was out sick yesterday and uh, feeling certainly feeling better today, but... Uh, uh, there might be some some coughing and sputtering in my end, so we'll we'll see how see how we do. But uh, looking forward to talking about uh, uh, today's topic. This is uh, I think this is one we kind of kicked around for a while. So yeah, looking forward to it too. This is more of a, a theme theme episode. We uh, this week Jordan and I will be discussing battle mechanics in RPGs, specifically uh, the turn based variety. And we're going to start from the relative simplicity of games like Dragon Quest, and we're going to uh, run the gambit all the way to something comple- complex like uh, a Saga Scarlet Grace. So we'll uh, discuss a number of different games, and uh, hopefully kind of give people an idea of uh, a few different options if they're looking for a little just something different from the JRPGs. And then we'll have a little bit of fun at the end and uh, rank them, rank uh, rank our top five from uh, what we discussed tonight. So. Yeah, I mean, we're obviously not going. To, there's so there's hundreds of RPGs we're not going to talk about, but um, I think we've got a good variety in terms of mechanics here to discuss. And um, I'm looking forward to hearing your your top five. We'll we'll do top five uh, uh, battle systems from games uh, uh, near the end of the episodes, and I'm I'm looking forward to hearing yours. Yeah, sounds good. Maybe that'll that'll be our last call for the night. Maybe. But before we uh, get going into the different games, uh, how about Jordan? You let us know what you're drinking for the evening. So we've, uh, you and I have kind of uh, maybe found a good pairing here, or we're, we're kind of matched uh, this evening, uh, seeing what yours is in the show notes. So I've been drinking a bunch of hot drinks uh, lately, but uh, I'm, I'm not doing that today, because um, when I get a sore throat, I kind of turn into a little bit of a baby, and I insist that I get uh, some kind of uh, icy or slurpy type drink. Um, so I've got one of those tonight. I've got a, a cherry Coke one uh, that you get from the... Uh, uh, Max Convenience Store, uh, M-A-C-S uh, is the name. Do they have Max where where you are, David? Yeah, they got them. Okay. They got them over here too. So, so that's uh, probably a Canada-wide chain, I guess. Then. Yep. I wonder if it's. I wonder if it's in the states. I should have asked uh, one of our uh, NWR friends if uh, Max is a chain there. I don't think it is. I know Seven Eleven is because Seven Eleven is like all over the world. But mm-hmm. yeah. Um, at any rate, I, I like Max uh, Slurpees especially because they've got a lot of choices when I go there. So uh, the, hilariously, I only get or often get uh, the cherry Coke flavor, but uh, they're one of the only places that has that. If I go to Seven Eleven or something, they've only got you know some very generic flavors or experimental ones I don't really care for. So uh, I, I like my cherry Coke a lot. And um, you'll remember a few maybe a, maybe a month ago we talked about. Uh, those drink machines that you see in the movie theaters, uh, or you said that they have them at uh, certain fast food places too, the ones where you can choose all the different drinks and the different flavor combinations, like you can add vanilla or cherry or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I found that they actually have this at Max too, so uh, I'm doubly screwed if I if I want uh, something sweet. I, I think they pretty much have everything I want at this place, and it's like five minutes from my house. So uh, yeah, there goes any uh, New Year's resolutions I had. <laughs> yeah, well, the, in my neck of the woods, the um, we do have Max, but the the most popular mm-hmm. way to get a to get one one of the drinks that you're talking about is from uh, Slush Puppy. Okay, yeah, I I I know of it. I can kind of picture the logo, but Slush Puppy's never been anything. Uh, or I've never really seen that in and around Vancouver. I don't know if we ever had that. Yeah, I think it's like it's definitely um, 
Quebec company, so I, I don't gotcha. think they yeah. stray too far from this area. So, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. And uh, I, I actually wish I had looked up the uh, the pronunciation because uh, my beer again is is another uh, Quebec brewery beer, and uh, this one should be easy. But then I'm looking at the word and I'm like having uh, and remembering last week of, with my uh, unibrow uh, unibrew uh, mess up, and it's uh, so I'm pretty sure it's <laughs> pronounced uh, Cerise. Yeah, that's what that's what I was gonna say too. So this is uh, from La Castor Brewing Company. It is a um, 6.8% sour beer. So it's it's actually brewed. Part of it is brewed with a Belgian yeast, and then they age it in a cask. And then what they do is they mix it with uh, a young tart beer, and then they let that concoction sit for a few months on sour cherries. And then what the resulting drink is is what you end up drinking, <laughs> and it's it's pretty good. It's got um. It's it's got a nice cherry tang to it. It's um it, it has a nice acidity to it. Uh, it's it's very um thing that I was a little surprised about was how um carbonated it kind of like it was a pretty bubbly one. Okay. So uh, yeah, but it was it was good. I was pleasantly surprised. Uh, I I had seen it. It was one of those impulse uh, seen it on the shelf, so I picked it up and uh, yeah, I was I was pretty happy with that one. So. So is this you're you're enjoying this one though? I'm appreciating. I did. I never used to like the the sour beers as much in the past, but uh, I I always kind of kind of turned my nose up to the fruity tasting beers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, I don't know. I recently I've been just more uh, adventurous with my with my beers, and now you, you get a few, and you just want to try something new. And it it's uh, I've been on a bit of a sour beer kick lately, so I'm uh, I was happy with this one. So yeah, the next the next couple weeks I've I've got. Uh, I've noticed I the the pixel beers were they had some more hiding in the the IGA so I'll have at least uh, two more weeks of uh, pixel beers to share so it's a bit of a preview for the next couple of weeks. There was one you posted on Twitter today or yesterday or the, uh, I don't remember when but it looked like was it a peach beer it looked like a a peach colored can at any rate. Yeah yeah it's it's uh it's a peach like a, a peach flavored uh, beer and it's yeah it was based on like princess peach. Uh, uh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I could. I couldn't remember what property it was based on. Yeah, and then I also got a, cool. an IPA that's based on uh, Pong. So I'll I'll post oh, nice. a picture okay. of that uh, before the before the recording in a couple of weeks as well. I love seeing these cans. Like I, I mean, to me, you you could name the beer whatever they want, but I, I think there's like a, a cool like art uh, or flair to the cans, and uh, it's almost like I I kind of want to collect those or something like that, right? They look kind of like neat to display. Yeah, I might have to keep them around. I I pitched uh, my last week's one, uh, the dark side of the stout, but it really <laughs> wasn't a video game one, so hmm, I'm true. I'm not not feeling too bad about that one. And I mean, they they still have them there if I really wanted it, but mm-hmm. I might keep the peach one and the pong, the pong one though. You should, it, it, you know, I, I think we're at a stage where you're gonna have to reach out to them and see if we can get some. Uh... Some uh, advertising dollars or some product placement going on <laughs> here. Right. I think so. At least, at least some free samples. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, if you're 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 pumping their tires on Twitter and we're talking about them every week on the podcast, so yeah, this is perfect advertising. For reason. If anyone who knows where the who who makes the pixel beer beer, uh, feel free to have them reach out. We'll we'll f- gladly take free samples and let people. We'll review the beer on uh, at the beginning of episodes. I'm uh, I have no problem with that. That makes it just makes too much sense. So we're gonna have to make that push. That's right. We'll have to track them down.
well, uh, I guess we should get to her because we've got a lot of games to get through, and uh, I think we should probably start on the the simpler end, the uh, the the traditional, the the not overly complex, and I think uh, a game like Dragon Quest Eleven S. Uh, that just came out on the Nintendo Switch a few months ago might be the perfect example of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I mean, it's a game I, you know, easily put 40, 50, 60 hours into uh, uh, around the time when it came out. Um, you're, you're talking about a battle system that it, the Dragon Quest series, you know, it, it's 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 uh, traditional to a fault. Um, it's you know, very, very standard turn-based, you know. There's no, there's no active time battle here, which we'll talk about that in a second. There's no um, no action components to it at all. Although, to be fair, in, in Dragon Quest XI S, if you're playing in 3D mode, you can run around the the battle area. But I don't know that it really has an effect. I think you're really still just you take your turn, uh, the enemy takes their turn, and you do that back and forth. I guess based on whatever your 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 speed or your agility stat is. Um, but I mean, this is this is something that started you know all the way back with the first Dragon Warrior game. Uh, the first Final Fantasy game, you know, obviously titles we're familiar with. And there's something so kind of comforting or uh, warm and familiar about turn-based battle systems. Uh, and we're going to talk about a bunch of them today. But, I mean, it, it kind of begins and ends with the Dragon Quest series and the early Final Fantasy games where you you, you have all this time to make a decision, right? To To make an attack, to defend, to heal yourself. Uh, to cast a to cast a, a black magic spell or something like that, and I love that. Uh, one thing I guess I've noticed with kind of appreciating the grind of these games is that in a turn based battle system, you can kind of just turn your brain off sometimes and just keep jamming the A button, and you know what's <laughs> going to happen. You know, it's not like an action game where you got to turn and face the enemy or you got to track them down or whatever. In a turn based game, as long as they're uh, not totally resistant to physical attacks. You can kind of just keep jamming the A button to use the fight or the attack command, uh, and just just grind pretty mindlessly doing that. And that's something I really like about turn-based games. Is now that uh, I, I do I do I, I think I've always enjoyed the grind of those games. And now uh, when I've got less time to do that, or if I'm kind of playing, but you know my mind is half on the game and half on you know the kids running around or something. It's really nice to be to, to be able to do to play games like that. So, um, yeah, Dragon Quest Eleven S was really a really fantastic game, but with a, a very familiar and you know welcoming combat system. It's not turn based combat isn't hard to figure out. I don't think it's not doesn't require any uh, you know uh, dexterity or a lot of skill. It's it it is pure strategy, right? You know, figuring out what what the enemy's weaknesses are, what kind of abilities they have, knowing what character in your party should do what. Um, it, it is pure strategy and pure thought process. And uh, I guess that's what I really love about it. I, I like uh, JRPGs that get you to to think and to give you an opportunity not to um, worry about you know doing something super fast or to have the fastest reflexes, but just to make decisions. And that that's what turn-based combat is all about, right? Yeah, and I think, like, these types of games uh, are kind of perfect for, like, because Dragon Quest and Final Fantasy are really known for their stories. And uh, to kind of s- simplify the battle system to be just, like, you have your, you can either do your physical attack or your magical attack. And outside of that, it's it's pretty, like, obviously the there's equipment that would determine what kind of 
you know, the damage that you do in the physical attack. And then depending on the magic that you've purchased, you have the different magical attacks. But really outside of that, it's just that and choosing the opponent that, that you want to do mm-hmm. the damage to. And uh, yeah, like you said, like you, you can kind of turn your brain off in a lot of cases, uh, like when you're doing grinding or if you're just kind of in between the, you know, the boss battles and that sort of thing. But then it, it allows you uh, to have it simplistic too. It it gives you that opportunity to to kind of focus on the the exploration as well. Mm-hmm. Because there's always like the, uh, instead of having to worry too much about the, the battle itself, you can worry about, uh, I always joke about like the marsh cave it's you, you yeah. get in there and, and it's it's not about so much defeating the enemies it's more of like a war of attrition like how far can For i sure. get before i i'm just gonna get beat um so it it comes down to like how far into a dungeon do i have to get or uh there's just like other things to focus on and and like which battles you, have you can to, which battles you have to run from for example like which ones you should try to fight and i guess knowing yeah knowing your strengths and weaknesses or knowing you know, which enemies you're more susceptible to with your party makeup in a game like Final Fantasy 1. Yeah, the Mar- I mean, the Marsh Cave is all about that decision-making, whether to fight or flee. Yeah, exactly. And so, and they even and with Dragon Quest, again, it's like my memories of Dragon Quest Eleven are really the story itself and the, the personalities. Mm-hmm. I think you at this point, you're so, so far into Dragon Quests, like there really is no point to change it. Like I, people, are, that's not what people are looking for, I don't think. And I, mm-hmm. Square Enix is kind of, uh, I'm I'm glad that they've uh, understood that that's that's not what they they have other IP that they can kind of play around with and experiment with. Yeah. Uh, people when they buy Dragon Quest, they're 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 there for the enemies, they're there for the story. It's uh, that's kind of where where the uh, appeal for them comes from. Not that it's connected to the battle system, but Dragon Quest Eleven S has been really funny, uh, and I'm glad we started with it because people are still playing that game. People are still talking about it. This is like six. Uh, when did it? Was it July that it came out or September? I can't even remember. But we're we're months removed from its launch on Switch, and people are still playing it. People are still talking about it. Still kind of getting through the post game. And I mean, there's just so many hours of content. And I think that there's something about the battle system and not having to worry about talking about it. It is it is very much just yeah, like you said, it allows you to enjoy the other elements of the game. That that simple combat style doesn't get in the way. It's it it's I don't know. It's 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 hard to describe. There, there's something. There's a beauty to that simplicity. I guess is what I'm saying. And I I love that it elevates or accentuates the maybe the, the different elements of the game. Uh, the exploration, the characters, the story, the world. I mean, it's a very beautiful game too. And um, I I you know it's funny. I played I played my most of my playthrough in the 2D version and. It's it's the most it's even more basic turn based combat because you don't you don't see the characters you know the the act the um, attack animations and spell animations are very basic and you're really talking about bare bones original turn based combat in the in the two D version and I just love that I I love being able to in 2020 play games that let me re- kind of reminisce and remember that uh, that very very basic battle system. Yeah, and the other thing about keeping it simple too is that it's the most accessible to a wider audience. Mm-hmm. So that you you don't lose because it's with JRPGs is what well, like it's so tough for someone. It can be tough for people get just getting into a game uh, because usually like the tutorials aren't overly uh, expansive these days. <laughs> like mm-hmm. they're generally 
pretty, you know, kind of throw you in and, and, you know, sink or swim in a, a lot of cases. Because uh, I know that, like, when you get kind of those long, drawn-out tutorials, it can that can turn other people off because they just want to get to the game. So it's this balance of, you know, how, how do we make it accessible and but yet still teach people the battle systems? With a game like, with a series like Dragon Quest, you almost don't need to teach them the battle system. It's so intuitive, right? Yeah. A- again, you're, 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 you press the attack button and then a few seconds later, your your character will attack either first or the enemy will go first. And that you, you've learned so much from that. You've learned how much defense they have or, you know, kind of what kind of damage you're dealing to them. You, you, you'll you probably figure out if, if they're not going, maybe dying quickly, the enemy, like maybe you should switch to a magic attack. You'll know like if they're faster than you or you're faster. And then you'll know kind of when you need to heal, what what kind of order you have to go in there. Like it, it's, the, 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 yeah, there really is a beauty to it. And I, yeah, I, I, I just love it. Like it's, it's absolutely my favorite system in, in RPGs. Like I, we, we, I, I had them on my list, but I, we're not going to talk about games like Mass Effect or Dragon Age today. Because the battle systems are so much different, even if there are some turn-based elements to them, uh, like in the first Mass Effect and uh, Dragon Age Origins, for example, they're not wholly turn-based. They're they're very much you know auto attacks and action-based, and mm-hmm. uh, it, they require they require a different skill set, I think. And I think I don't think it's as intuitive. But yeah, with simple turn-based combat in, in Dragon Quest and some of the Final Fantasy games, it just I don't know how you would really need to do a tutorial for it or explain it. It, I think it just makes so much sense on its own. Yeah, exactly. I think that's uh, and another reason why uh, the next game on our list was so successful as well is that uh, it it took that classic that that basic elements of the battle system with the physical attacks and the magical attacks, but then it just added a, a little twist to it. Uh, and like you had just mentioned, it kind of takes it. It's still turn based, but there's this active time battle system now. And uh, yeah, I'm talking about uh, Chrono Trigger, maybe the perhaps uh, arguably the best RPG ever made. And uh, not surprisingly, made by uh, the same people that, <laughs> that made the Dragon Quest and Final Fantasy. So, uh, but yeah, in that uh, in Chrono Trigger, it's 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 a lot of the same. Where it's you have your physical attacks and your magical attacks. The, the active battle time system changes it up a little bit in the sense that it's not you, you don't have all day to sit there and decide. Like you do, ha- it does force you to come up with a little bit quicker decisions. And then um, the other thing that changed from like those earlier Dragon Quest to Final Fantasy titles is that uh, the n- instead of just choosing each each person's actions and, and kind of deciding it based on that, there are team options where mm-hmm. uh, the specials can be combined for much stronger attacks. And uh, it's still simple in its, in its implementation, but it adds such a, a layer... It, still adds that complexity and that strategy on top that that can make or break a winning a battle yeah the the active time battle system i mean i, I think the, the first time a lot of people experienced it maybe the first time it existed was uh, final fantasy 4 uh of course final fantasy 6 had it as well uh and then chrono trigger and uh the really all it does is just speed it speeds up your decision making but it, it puts a pressure on you and adds attention to the battles right like whether you're going to input your attack 
faster than the enemies you're encountering. Like it may, I think it makes boss fights especially tense. Uh, and that's what I that's what I really like about it. I'm not saying I want every game to have the active time battle system. And, and as I've gotten older, I I will sometimes turn that option off. I think you you can turn it off in in some games. You can just go to kind of a more standard turn based. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Chrono Trigger the the dual text, the triple text, those were really cool. The fact that you had to you had to wait for multiple characters to have their turn come up before you could even use those abilities. So you had to really again, it, it's exercising patience. It's uh, you know, it's kind of trying to figure out will the will this character survive in order for them to join me for a for a stronger attack? I don't know. Another thing is that the the Chrono Trigger's battle system it does it's not it doesn't take place on a separate screen. It takes place on the on, on the kind of overworld screen or the the map screen that you're looking at. So enemies you see in the environment, they might just jump jump in front of you or jump into like a into your line of vision or something like that or your your maybe your path. And then you have to fight them. And what happens is, based on their position relative to you, uh, or relative to other enemies, you can use abilities that hit multiple multiple enemies or multiple targets. Uh, the example I had written down is Chrono's Cyclone ability, which you get really early on. Might be he may, he might start with it. Uh, you it 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 attacks in a radius, so you jump out and he swings his sword around in a circle, and you'll hit every enemy that's inside this radius. And that's not something I'd ever seen before. Like that that was. Again, one of the really cool changes in Chrono Trigger that not only did you have to think about the timing and which attacks you're going to use, but also the position of the enemies in front of you. So, yeah, Chrono Trigger, uh, a lot of changes to the uh, turn-based system, uh, all of them kind of, I guess, complicating the formula, but in really interesting ways. Yeah, and I think the way they did it, too, was good. Like you said, they had introduced that in Final Fantasy IV, but it, it, they didn't go as far, right? Like, the obvious, no. like the, so having Chrono Trigger, that that's kind of like a new IP. Like, you, you've kind of, you're not, you're not, I guess, I don't know if selling is the, the correct term, but, <laughs> like, you're not, you're not really, like, imp, uh, implementing these massive changes into, like, these franchise mm-hmm. games that are, that are, you know, four or five uh, titles deep at this point. Definitely felt more experimental, not just with the combat system, but also with, like, the narrative, the multiple endings, uh, the different characters you can you can encounter and stuff like that. Like it, they they took maybe I don't know if they're taking risks, but they were definitely changing things up with this game. Yeah, exactly. So it's and to all, everyone's benefit, I, I it was very successful. So it was absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And we're still waiting for it to appear on Switch in some form. So come on, <laughs> yeah, sorry. Keep like cowards, even just give, just yeah, give just it to us. Throw it in a bundle. I'm still waiting for that N- uh, SNES uh, where they put four, five, six, and Chrono Trigger all in one, and then they make us pay eighty bucks for it. Yeah, and you know what? Everybody would do it. So <laughs> yeah. just, you, know, you just start printing money. Square yeah. Enix, like we'll we'll happily give it to you. So yeah. take my money. I don't care. And I've got to make my decision This time it could be my moment If this time right, draw a chance to fulfill my mission So that uh, moves us on to uh, another big, big uh, franchise uh, in a different company now. We're back to Atlas, and it is uh, Persona, the Persona series. So um, 
my my personal experience is really like I've played Persona Four, but Persona Five is is the game I put the most hours into. Mm-hmm. I've I went through it once, uh, a little over a hundred hours, and then I think I put about forty or fifty hours into a second playthrough. But it's it's very similar in the same in the sense of like uh, it, it still feels like a traditional turn based uh, JRPG where you have physical attacks, magical attacks. But then it has systems on top of that, like the breaking system where you can paralyze the enemy by um, knowing their elemental weakness. And then obviously you have um, uh, the personas that you can use uh, on top of that. So it's it, it, it's it's I would say it's along the ways it's still kind of uh, simple in the way that you can kind of wrap your mind around the strategy, but more mm-hmm. complex because there's obviously more options on top of just the physical and magical attack. Yeah, I like the fact that in the Persona games, you, you're you really rewarded for figuring out what hurts an enemy the most. Uh, it's not just one where you want to spam attacks. Like, if you if you know how to knock down the enemy, you gain such an advantage from, A, preventing their turns, but also just, I guess, you're, you're, you're having more of your turns and dealing more damage. So there's so much um, at stake, I guess, in finding out what hurts them. And it, it kind of, it does a funny thing where, especially in Persona 5, it will give, it'll throw bosses at you uh, and, and closer to the end of the game where they don't have any weaknesses. And so you you get this kind of benefit all the way through the game. And then in some of the later fights, you you have to be able to beat them without knocking them down. And that can be really tricky, right? Because you're you're so used to that having that advantage and dealing that extra damage. And when it goes away, it really is a war of attrition. And I think this might be true of all the Persona games, that some of the final bosses, not only do they have like multiple phases, but they just have a ton, a ton of hit points. And no way to really do any extra damage to them. You have to just have, a, you know, a really high level, lots of items, I guess. And uh, maybe a little bit of luck as well. Like, I mean, the Persona 3, we'll get there, but the Persona 3 final boss, uh, you know, took me hours and hours. Maybe not hours and hours, but it, it took me at least an hour and a half, I'd say, to get through. It's one of those, def- definitely one of those wars of attrition. The, the other good thing about the system as well is that you don't have to memorize. Like, there's so many enemies in Persona that... <laughs> Trying to remember what their weaknesses are would that like that would be a chore. You'd need to have like an encyclopedia. So it's <laughs> yeah. nice that like once you've found that that the game will then tell you every other time you meet that enemy that what their weaknesses are. So I'm glad there's like it, it's the the quality the quality of life is there that it's like okay you, we're not gonna tell you up front you you have to figure it out. But once you figured it out, we're not gonna punish you like. Yeah, I, I don't know if 3 and 4 do that. They might. It's been a while since I played them. I, I, 5 does that, and I, a couple other games we're going to talk about later do that as well. It is nice to to kind of just, just make your life a little bit easier. It's one of those quality of life changes that uh, are features that's uh, definitely very welcome. Uh, the I'm not Again, I'm not sure which of the Persona games has this. 5 does. Uh, I think 4 does as well. But uh, the all-out attack, where if you knock down all the enemies on the field simultaneously you will be able to kind of all your characters will kind of do a dog pile on them and just kind of, kind of just beat them yeah. into submission. Uh, it's just kind of a hilarious thing to activate, I guess. And seeing all the characters run in, like just pummel uh, the enemy on the ground, like a big puff of smoke uh, appears. It's something like straight out of a Saturday morning cartoon, right? But it's just uh, one of those charming kind of whimsical things that happens in the Persona games that uh, I really like about them too. Yeah, and you really have to have that the, the strategy of, selecting your persona as well because you want to make sure that you have a character that has the correct elements because you don't want to get into a fight and realize that you don't have the elemental attack that that does that break Mm -hmm. because you you could be in some some deep uh some deep waters if you don't have 
something that that can knock them down. Yeah, I mean, it's it's almost like a job class system in a way that you you can change it up so so much, and you're you're constantly uh, evolving your personas and combining them and changing them. That uh, who who you go into battle is, uh, yeah, or what character you're using almost just changes so rapidly that um, it, I guess it mixes up the strategy a lot. But you can get caught with your pants down. You're right. Like you you could run into a battle and you just you don't have the electric element that you need, and that's the one thing that the boss is weak against. So you do have to try to be well rounded, I guess, at the same time. There is one thing about Persona 3 I wanted to note uh, just before we move on. There are many versions of Persona 3 where you do not have the option to control your teammates. So they're they're AI controlled and you can I think you can give them like strategies to use, like okay. like maybe always healing or always attacking or something like that. But uh, in I played the Persona 3 portable version and in that one you can control them or at least you can toggle uh, AI control teammates on and off. Obviously, I, w- I would want to have the ability to control them. Uh, but I guess think there is something in the other versions of that game where you have to deal with only controlling your main character and maybe struggling with or adapting to how your teammates are fighting. So that, that I think that that adds a different wrinkle as well. Some of the Dragon Quest games are like that too, where maybe I don't know if it's forced on you, but your teammates can act independently of of what your character is doing. So uh, there is something in those turn-based systems where you're not controlling your whole party, and it, it adds a complexity to it as well. Yeah, uh, the same with the Final Fantasy twelve, where mm, that's you right. can you can set like it's almost like coding <laughs> where sure you, you have like okay, well do this first, but if this happens, do this, and then if this happens, do that. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, so you it's you could just worry about your one person while the the rest of the party take does the tasks that you've assigned. So true. So the next, the next step over from Persona uh, is is another. Uh, it's this one's an Atlas one as well, an Atlas Nintendo uh, collaboration, the Tokyo Mirage Sessions. So uh, Jordan will have to take over this one because I have I, I have it purchased, but I haven't had a chance to play it yet. Yeah, currently got about five games on the go, so uh, I'll have to, it'll have to wait. But yeah, this is the uh, the Persona Fire Emblem uh, collaboration. Hmm. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, I think a lot of people didn't know exactly what this was going to be when it was first announced. And uh, I think they build it as a gosh, a Shin Megami Tensei cross-fire emblem uh, crossover. But it ended up being more of, it seemed like more of a Persona game. But at any rate, the uh, you've got turn-based combat here. Uh, really cool thing it does is it combines that kind of standard turn-based combat with the weapon triangle of Fire Emblem, but also the weakness uh, hitting strategy of Persona where you can activate uh, kind of the, these combos are they're called sessions in the game and it's just really cool to witness it's got this kind of big spectacle behind it and I don't think I've ever seen that in a game before when you activate a, a session chain by hitting a weakness if your teammates also have abilities that can hit that weakness or they have uh, they might just have abilities that link to the ability you used or the spell you used it could be your entire team just taking turns wailing on the enemy, casting spell after spell. 
it's just such a, a cool thing to witness where that the chain will actually display at the bottom of the screen and you'll see like the six or seven attacks that are going to happen against this enemy. And you kind of need to master this session, uh, this session element or this, uh, this mechanic because some of the bosses are, are so tough and they have such a high number of hit points that if you're not doing these chains every chance you get, you're not going to take them out. And the hilarious thing is the enemies can also do session chains against you. So if they hit your character's weakness, they can activate a chain that just keeps pounding on you. So there's a there's a ton of depth to this uh, this turn-based system here. And again, it's just such a visual spectacle. It's so cool to see all of your teammates kind of coming in one after another. It reminds me of something like like a Power Rangers or a um, any of those kind of team-up shows, like even even like comic books or something where all the heroes are kind of pounding on this, uh, jumping in to attack this one enemy, you know, like the X-Men fighting a Sentinel or something like that. Uh, just really cool to see. Um, there's a couple of other things. There's performances and ad-lib performances. They're kind of like musical attacks that are linked to events in the game. Like there's a lot of uh, uh, kind of idle performances in the game, uh, these the story beats. And after you do them, they unlock these performance attacks and I don't remember how you activate them in the game, but once they come up, you, the characters will kind of perform like a little song and dance as part of an attack. And again, just just really cool to watch those things happen. It's definitely got the, this this charming presentation and the this kind of this vibrancy to the battle system that I don't. Yeah, again, I don't think we've seen much that is like this. So uh, I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts on the game, David. I think you'll really enjoy it. Um, I I played it on Wii U when it first came out. But uh, I, I, I know that the Switch version doesn't have too many differences compared to that one. So I didn't end up picking up the uh, the Switch version. But if it goes on sale, I would consider it just because the, the battle system is so fun to go through. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, so far, I, it's funny. Like, I, I don't know if I've gone this dark into a game. Like, I don't know a ton about it other than just mm -hmm. the few things I've heard or and your description now. Yeah. The the only things I've really seen are uh, I'm pretty sure I've seen the the performances that you've said. Uh, like yes. I've seen like um, videos of them on Twitter where it shows like somebody's like doing a song and then just starts pounding on the guy. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. Boss. Um, so yeah. So I mean, the presentation looks terrific. So I'm definitely looking forward to it. I mean, mu music is a huge part of the game thematically, but for it to be integrated into the combat system so fluidly and so in such an interesting way, like it's. You, you genuinely get excited when these abilities pop up, like not just the session chains, but when the performances and the ad libs come up, like you, you want to watch it. You know, it's not, it's not one of those turn-based systems where you, it is more mindless and you don't really care what's ha the actual attacks or the animations that are happening on screen. You just care about the numbers, you know, like, okay, if my numbers are getting too low, I heal. If the enemy's numbers are getting low, I'm probably getting close to killing them. But in this one, you actually want to watch the attacks that are happening because they're so, yeah, just so interesting to see. Yeah, so yeah, that'll be that'll be a fun one to, mm -hmm. to come into. We're getting we're getting into the more complex games now. Uh, For sure, as we're getting uh, further in, and uh, this one is actually a game I've I just started uh, in the new year. Uh, Bravely default. It's an interesting one because it's when I first started playing it, I was actually skeptical 
of like when they were described when the game showed me how to do it and I started doing some of the battles I was skeptical of like how much strategy can you really get out of this mm-hmm. <laughs> but it doesn't take long to actually <laughs> figure out it's like oh man like you really do have to think about it yeah so the way that it works with Bravely Default is that uh, so it is the same where you have the um, physical attacks and magical attacks but they have this the the Bravely Default system where there's uh, two different actions there's Brave and Default so brave means um, you select how many times you want to do a turn, like or how many times you want to attack in a single turn, and then default. What it does is it, it does uh, a defensive posture, but then it adds an action that you can do in the next turn. So it's it's this risk and reward of you know do do I want to use multiple attacks now to try to either defeat the enemy very quickly or to, to get in some quick attacks early on at the risk of being defenseless for however many turns you've decided mm-hmm. versus uh, stocking stocking up uh, actions later on. So maybe you want to default early on to kind of um, sponge uh, the, the enemy's attacks uh, to see if, you know, to, to see if they'll uh, go into debt on their side. And, and yeah, the the amount of strategy that's involved is is crazy. Like, and even the boss fights, like, there's a lot of thinking that needs to go into it, and you have to kind of uh, weigh when when the enemy's going on. Because um, if you let's say it actually happened to me today, where I had one of my characters, uh, I maxed out to four turns, so I knew that. Yeah. Um, I was gonna be able to hit them four times, but then I was gonna be uh, vulnerable for three. But then the the boss actually went in default when I did it, so the attacks were were half doing half the damage, and then I took a beating for three turns in a row. So yeah, that's something I forgot uh, when when I was kind of typing some notes up here that the enemies can do uh, can do brave and default actions of their own, and so it's what really fascinates me about this game uh, and the next one we're going to talk about. They're kind of kind of linked together. Um, it's the first game that really rewards you for defending. Like most of the time, like in a turn-based game, I don't know about you, David, uh, or our listeners, who is who is defending? Who is ever using <laughs> the right. defend command? You know, yeah. like, yeah, okay, I take half damage for one turn, but you have to know deliberately that the enemy is going to use a powerful attack on this turn. Or, or really, there's no, because you can heal yourself, there's no real need to defend. Mm-hmm. Hilariously, there's, there's a bunch of turn-based games where... They'll actually warn you, oh, you got to defend, they're charging up, something bad is coming, and then you know to defend. But in a games that don't prompt you, who who the hell is ever using the defend command? Seriously, like if if you're using the defend command regularly, guys, please get hit, hit me up on Twitter. Let me know what games you're actually defending and I want to see this because I, I don't believe it and I don't think I've ever done it until I started playing the Bravely Default games where you you gain extra credit, you gain extra turns by defending. Um, it's actually really smart in this game to defend early on to see what the enemy is going to do, to see kind of what their uh, attacks are, or to maybe learn a little bit more about them before you start pounding on them. Because you might you might use your four, let's say it's your first turn, and you go into debt by four, you cash in four braves in a row, you might use four ineffective attacks. Yeah. And there's, <laughs> so then you're really in trouble because you're going to be vulnerable for three or four turns. And you've done no damage at all, right? So there's, you can't just kind of go into into battles wildly swinging your sword in Bravely Default. You have to be 
again, very patient, very cautious, and know when is the time to just let loose. Or just, you, you can you could defend three or four times in a row at the start of the battle and just have four charges ready to go, right? Like, it, I don't know. I just, I love a game that makes defending a thoughtful and viable strategy. To me, That that's what's really interesting about these games. Uh, this yeah. one and the sequel, right? Yeah, I totally agree. Like, the defending... It, like you said, because you don't do it often, it like it makes you uncomfortable. Like I really mm-hmm. had to change my thought process because that was my first thing. Is like, well, like what's the point of defending? Why would I even bother? Yeah. And, and it's not until you kind of get you, you make a mistake where you're like, you realize that actually this is important. I I really have to rethink how I'm how I'm fighting now. And I yeah, think that's it, the the successful thing about it is that it it forces you to change that your your strategies. It's basically required during boss fights because I think either it does that prompting or the bosses have clear patterns where you know kind of almost when they're going to defend and when uh, they're going to use some powerful attack where you have to defend. So you really have to figure out the patterns of bosses. It's not just a, it's not just a game where you can go in with your powerful abilities and your job classes or whatever and just hopefully win by sheer sheer might or sheer power. You have to, the timing of defending and attacking is super important, which to me feels more realistic. Like That feels more like a physical combat game or a war game or something like that. You're not just necessarily blindly charging in. You're thinking about when is the best time to strike. I, I just I just love that element. Mm-hmm. Maybe we can just move to the next game that's related to this, which people probably already know, but um, Octopath Traveler. Uh, a lot of the people that worked on Bravely Default uh, were also working on Octopath Traveler. And I think you, you see that in the similarities of the combat systems. Um, <clears throat> so Octopath also allows you to store kind of charges for attacks, um, not only through defending, but there's also items you can use and abilities you can use that give you more charges or more uh, turns that you can kind of cash in, just like in Bravely Default. What Octopath adds is the break, the break system, where... Uh, I guess kind of similar to Persona, actually, where by hitting enemy weaknesses, you are able to knock them out for a turn, which makes them more vulnerable to being damaged, but also uh, renders them invulnerable or kind of uh, prevents them from taking a turn. Uh, The really cool thing about Bravely Default, uh, Octopath Traveler, is that underneath the enemy, you'll see a number, like a six, and then you'll see like three or four padlocks. And by attacking their weaknesses... Uh, the padlocks will unlock and you'll see an element like like fire or ice. And you'll know that if you use that ability, it's going to knock down the the count, the, the, the six, for example. It's going to knock it down. And when you bring them down to zero, they break. And that's when they become super weak to your attacks. I think you might do double damage to them or something. And it also prevents them from taking a turn. So if you know that their turn is coming up and you, you, you kind of see the turn order, uh, I think somewhere on the screen, uh, you you see your turn order and the enemies. If you can knock, if you can break them before they do an attack, then you can almost lock them into never never taking an attack. Some of the bosses you won't be able to do that, but um, again, it's another system where if you figure out the strategy of it, when to take your turns, when to defend, how to break the enemy, uh, that's the best way to be successful there. So uh, yeah, Octopath Traveler definitely a very memorable battle system. Yeah, and I think, and like to me, the battle system of Octopath was the the the, defi- the defining feature of that game for sure. Like that, that's what my favorite part of it was. Uh, I know the the visuals were were very appealing, like especially since it mm-hmm. kind of gave that uh, SNES vibe. Yes, 
it was really the combat uh, that that system of breaking uh, very similar to persona i guess the difference would be that yes. padlock like the the number of times you had to hit mm-hmm. um like cuz it wouldn't i don't recall it show like it wouldn't have shown the number on on persona so it was definitely a... no i mean you you as soon as you hit an enemy's weakness once i mean that that's yeah. kind of breaking that's them it. in persona right it's just it's yeah. more just that there's maybe only one thing that weakens them whereas in octopath Enemies often have three or four or five weaknesses. Yeah, I guess the trick in Persona was trying to, like, if you had multiple enemies uh, and you were trying to knock them all down to do the the team uh, attack, um, yes. you might have had to have picked different um, elements to try to, to, to hit each one, whereas in Octopath, it's like you, you don't have that, that team team attack if they're all down. Like, you're just kind of buying yourself extra extra turns by knocking them down. Mm-hmm. And in, in Octopath, like the the padlocks, the numbers beside the enemy to know how many uh, times you have to hit their weakness, it it works really well with the bravely default aspect of cashing in your turns and maybe doing multiple attacks on one turn if you know you can break them by hitting them with a like a, a thunder or a lightning weakness four times or something like that. So it it seem it feels like the natural evolution of bravely default. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, David, you hadn't played Bravely Default after, uh, before trying Octopath. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. I, I played Octopath when it came out. Oh man, it's mm-hmm. got, I guess it's two years ago now or 2018, right? Uh, 2018, summer 2018 yeah. yeah. Summer, summer 2018, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And Bravely Default, I just started playing in a few weeks ago. So. Mm-hmm. What I'm most curious about is what is Bravely Default 2 going to look like? Is it going to go back to... Uh, a little bit, a little bit simpler uh, format in Bravely Default, or is it going to be more like Octopath? Is it going to be you know something different from the two of them? I, I'm very excited to see because I, I think these are really great combat systems. Yeah, especially well, and then now that it's on the Switch, like they'll have that different platform to use. So exactly, yeah, be interesting what they come up with. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I guess sticking with the 3DS, uh, we got another uh, another very complicated uh, game that really uh, it it another game where you really had to change the way you think about how you battle, and, and that's Radiant Historia. Um, the version I played was the Perfect Chronology version for the 3DS. Uh, the original Radiant Historia came out on the DS, but yeah, this is a, a, another very unique battle system. This is a few different uh, systems on top of each other, so. You, you obviously still have your party, but the way that the enemies work is that there's actually a grid system. A grid of nine, I believe? I think that's right, yeah. Yeah, there's three, like... Yeah, uh, three by three. Yeah, three by three. There's front, middle, and and back. And then um, the, the obviously the, the other way as well. And then, uh, so the way that uh, you fight in Radiant Astoria is that you can actually knock enemies into different... Like, they'll start in one of the nine grids... And the different attacks that you can do will knock enemies around depending on where you want to kind of push them around. And uh, the benefit of doing this is that you can uh, stack enemies on top of each other so that when you do uh, a move, it'll uh, it'll damage them all. And uh, this is very important, especially when you get into battles where you have multiple enemies and you need to uh, get rid of them quickly. 
you, you really there's a, a whole lot of strategy that's involved with having one one ally move the characters and then having like a powerful ally kind of hit them all at the same time. The other part of this that that makes it even more complex is that the you actually see the timeline of when when the the allies and enemies are going to do their attacks, so you can see in advance like when people are going to be doing the moves. And so you that's the other part of it is that the enemies can move on their own, so you you really have to time how you're going to to do the moves. Uh, like it's 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 this positioning and timing that's very important in reading history. Yeah, and you know that that positioning of the enemies is something I I don't think we've really seen before, and probably not seen much of, which is surprising. I think it's very and very engaging and very fun. You're right, like having to de- determine which of your characters is going to be kind of setting up the pins and which one's going to knock them down. Like that, that's really fun. Figuring out kind of uh, should I pull this character or this enemy? Should I push them? Should uh, you've got attacks that hit entire rows or columns? And yeah, I, I'm I'm very surprised that this is. The only game I can think of, it, uh, the only kind of RPG that I can think of that that does something like this. I don't know. I, can can you think of another game, Dave, where you've got a grid like this that's uh, a turn-based RPG? I don't know if there are any. No, the the uh, there was um an indie RPG I played last year that that's names escaping me that had a grid system, but I don't yeah. remember. I don't recall it having where you could move the enemies on top of each other to stack the mm-hmm. the attacks. Like I I'm pretty. I think it was just a kind of a grid. It was just the grid itself. There, like you could do a, um, attacks that like do like one line, mm-hmm. where or you could do like squares or that sort of thing. But there, there was no. I don't believe you could actually move the enemies like you can in Radiant Historia. So yeah, yeah, I'm kind of surprised they haven't at least even tried it. Like the the unfortunate thing with Radiant Historia is that both versions of the game came out way at the end of the life cycle of both the mm-hmm. DS and the 3DS. So I know it wasn't a commercial success, right? Which is unfortunate because, like you said, it's such a unique battle system. I'd love to see it if they tried it in another game, like whether it's mm. something in that Radiant Historia universe or if they just tried something new with a, with a whole like the same battle system but just with a, a whole different platform or. Yeah, maybe try launching at the start of a console yeah, generation right. or a platform generation rather than the end, <laughs> or even in the middle or something. Or yes, a, yes. I mean, I'm surprised that um, even in, like an indie art, uh, an indie developer hasn't really kind of taken that, uh, either built upon it or even just utilized it because it's mm-hmm. it's been so so you like nobody's really done anything yeah. with it. Like you see all these clones of other types of games, but nobody's really gone into the space yet. So. Um, David, now I've played Perfect Chronology as well. I played a little bit of the just the basic Radiant story on DS. Um, are you able to interrupt? Uh, you've got the timeline of attacks. Are you able to interrupt enemies as well? Did you say that or? Yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure there's there's some kind of. (laughs) It's been a couple years since I've played it, but I'm fairly certain there there's a there's ways to um change where you are in the timeline. Right. Okay. Yeah. So uh, the the uh, the reason I brought that up because there there is an indie RPG I wanted to mention uh, that I reviewed I think last year, uh, 2019 it might have been 2018, uh, and that's Child of Light. Child of Light is uh, an Ubisoft RPG, uh, kind of a, a fairy tale type one, but it's got a it's got a cool battle system that also has a timeline, but you 
you do attacks that interrupt enemies. So if you if you hit them, you can knock them back in the timeline and prevent them from attacking. But they can do the same to you if you don't defend. So uh, Child of Light uh, reminds me a little bit of uh, Radiant Historia and Octopath in terms of its uh, timeline for when attacks and actions are going to happen. But the cool thing about Child of Light is that uh, you really are encouraged to, and maybe, you, the, not that the battles are, are all that difficult, it's more of a story game, but you are really encouraged to use attacks at a certain time to interrupt when the enemy's turn is going to happen. So uh, I just wanted to throw it out there, you know, we're talking about combat systems. Child of Light is a really cool one that uh, it's got this timeline element that we've that we've just been talking about too. So it is worth uh, one worth mentioning and uh, having a look at too. Yeah, that's perfect. Uh, our, the last game that we're going to talk about has some of those elements as well, but... Cool. Before we get to that, uh, the next one, next up on our list is the uh, Super Mario RPG and the um, games that came from it. <laughs> yes, the Mario yes. and Luigi's and the Paper Mario's. So this is the turn-based combat that used timed attacks, uh, but they also have mini like mini game like abilities. Uh, they certainly feel well. like mini games. Like you're, they're, they're sometimes the abilities and attacks are so bloody involved that <laughs> it feels like you're playing a little mini game just to do damage to a, do damage to an enemy or do use a mm. use a spell or something like that. I don't have a ton of uh, experience in in the series. Like I've played Super yeah. Mario RPG, and uh, I we're actually going to be uh, doing a playthrough of Paper Mario Thousand Year Door. Mm-hmm. But that'll be my my first go with it. But uh, yeah, then the Mario RPG. I remember um, the thing that was uh, a bit new to me at the time was the the time based attacks where. You know, Mario would do some kind of, um, he would do his attack, but then you'd have to like hit the button uh, right before you actually hit the person so that it, it did a, a stronger attack or um, mm-hmm. the same when you were defending. If you hit a button at a certain time, then you could block the attack. Yeah, it's always you could completely nullify damage as well, which is pretty cool. Sumer RPG, and then I'll affectionately refer to uh, the Mario and Luigi series and the Paper Mario series as games that are not Super Mario RPG 2, and I wish they were. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, this this timing system again is another way of kind of making you think about the combat. It's not it's not mindless. It's not something you could. I mean, you could, but it would take forever. You can't just uh, jam the A button while you, and mindlessly grind. There's a you know the, you you encounter enemies in the overworld as well, uh, and that's one reason. Another reason you can't do that is there's there's that there's that action element, I guess. But um, yeah, the timed attacks and defense is is really neat. I, I think Super Mario RPG is the first time we saw. Uh, a role-playing game where you had that kind of interactivity during the battle system. The later games, the Mario and Luigi series, the Paper Mario games, uh, they would turn the combat system, you know, and I regret to mention a game like Sticker Star, but they, it, it's really a bastardized combat version uh, or combat system uh, where, yeah, they're, they're just mini games. Like you're, you're doing sequences of button presses, um, like maybe, pre- you know, timing uh, an A button press with a B and an X or holding the stick to the left and then pressing it to the right to do an attack. Um, but it's all still about just doing more damage by successfully completing those mini games. And so I think there's a lightheartedness to it. There's um, it it's keeping with the action feel of the Mario games. Like I get that. I think it thematically it works. 
but I think it's also a little more involved than I want to. Like I, every time I do, I, I do a powerful move, I have to, you know, put 10, press 10 buttons in a particular sequence. You know, I, I, there's a, there's something that annoys me about it as well. And I think that's why I, I, I'm not especially fond of the Mario and Luigi games, especially because I think they, they really go nuts with it a little bit. Paper Mario is a little bit better, especially the first two games. And I'm really looking forward to this playthrough of Thousand Year Door because uh, it does have those kind of mini games, but I think the, the combat is more standard turn-based just with a little bit of a, the timing attack, uh, timed attacks and defense. So yeah, you just you just have to be more attentive. You can't just let the battle go. You have to be uh, thinking about your your moves and, and when to defend uh, the enemy attacks. And so you had to... You had to learn all the. I'm thinking about Super Mario RPG, especially. You had to learn the enemy attacks and the timing, like you, you, uh, or Mario's jump ability. Like you could use the ultra jump and jump on an enemy a hundred plus times, but you had to learn the timing of the button presses. So there, there's a an elegance to it as well that I do appreciate. Yeah, it's a it's a less passive mode of uh, battle battling, and it was funny when uh, playing the Super Mario RPG. It was. It was funny because often I'd forget, like, oh, right, I'm supposed to be doing something. <laughs> right, So you, yes. you almost have to kind of get into the groove of... Um, uh, and that's the other thing that I thought with, with Super Mario RPG as well is that um, there's the timing, but then there's also um, using the uh, the beautiful music. Uh, we had an episode yes. about uh, Yoko Shimomura recently, and we had discussed that the, a lot of the timing is, is in tune with the music. So it's it's another element that you can utilize uh, to help you yeah i'm also looking forward to the thousand year door it's uh again never played a paper mario and uh, i think based on your description of the later ones i i'm with you i'd rather stick to the the closer to the traditional one so the the earlier paper mario is something i think i'll enjoy more so yeah i i think the first two are might be the most well regarded uh the second one especially so that that's that's gonna be fun to get back into that soon The final game that we have for the for this episode, it's uh, it, I would consider this the the most complex, the uh, yeah the the granddaddy of complexity in RPG battles. Uh, it's uh, Saga Scarlet Grace. This is a game that has the systems upon systems, and then even when you think you've uh, found all the systems, you just you discover more systems. It's just there's a ton of things to consider when going into a battle. So a battle in Scarlet Grace, the the way it works is uh, you begin with selecting your your teammates uh, because uh, you have more people than than you need. And so when you get to the first battle, the first thing you do is you'll select who you want to battle. And then from there, you would select the formation of said character. And the formation really can dictate how a battle will proceed. So the way that, it, that attacking works in Scarlet Grace is that you're given uh, a... I don't remember the exact what they call it but it's there's so many attacks you can do per turn uh so you get like a number of stars and each person's attack requires a, uh, an amount of those stars so you kind of have to divvy it up between them and the formation determines how many stars you start off with but then it also determines how you gain more stars as the battle progresses so there's formations where you can start with a certain amount of stars and then as each turn goes like a star is added 
But then you can also have have a formation where you can begin with more stars, but then the stars are not added unless you defeat enemies. Hmm. So it's it's very tailored to the to the battle that you're in. You have to kind of take stock of who the enemies are and uh, and what kind of formation would be best suited for them. And then uh, on top of that, <laughs> there when you actually get into the battle. Um, so like I said, each move has a number of stars, so you have to kind of determine who how you want to allot them throughout your party all of the people in the battle so the enemies and your allies uh, are all in a timeline so you can see who will go first and who will go next and and what what they will do you actually see what the enemies um what they'll be doing like whether they'll be defending or attacking and uh the other part of the timeline that you have to consider is that if you defeat so when you look at the timeline you could say you have um three allies in a row an enemy and then an ally if you defeat the enemy that's in between your allies and the enemy is removed from the timeline and your allies combine those four those allies will then do uh, a team attack that uh, that will hit that will hit um, someone on the battlefield but then in the next turn they're also given a bonus where if there's a move that maybe needed three stars now it only needs one star to be able to to do the attack so you get twice the benefit if you're able to do these, t- uh, if you're able to um, combine your allies in the timeline. But that also works against you because the enemies can do the same thing where if if you're, your allies defeated and the enemies combine on the timeline, they do that same extra damage to you. Um, so there's just so much going on in Scarlet Grace. Like my, my brain hurts just hearing you talk about this, David, because it's so involved. I mean, I guess this is the type of game where if you really like a complicated, uh, engaging battle system that really forces you to think a lot about what you're doing, this is the kind of game for you, you know? And I think one of the things that uh, maybe prevented me from getting this game, like I, I reviewed Romancing Saga 3 and I was uh, looking forward to Saga Scarlet Grace, but uh, the idea that so much of the game is the combat system and such a huge part of your experience is these battles, uh, it just wasn't what I was looking for at the time. I was looking for something more traditional, um, which is why I was considering the Star Ocean game that kind of released at the same time. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of a great game to uh, to end our discussion with because it's it's it, it's maybe the it's the culmination of everything, right? It's the think of all the things we've talked about tonight, and all it seems like so many of those mechanics are rolled into this uh, Scarlet Grace combat system. So really, if you're looking for like kind of the the top of the top for complexity and decision making and all the considerations you need to make i mean this this is the game for you i guess yeah i would say so like i if if i did a percentage i i would probably say 90% of what i played was in the combat like mm-hmm. that that's how much of a focus it was and i i it just couldn't it, i didn't get tired of it like every battle was unique and uh, and even uh, and the attacks too like the attacks themselves can do other things like attacks. There's certain attacks that can move you in the timeline. There's certain, like some, some magical attacks need that they have like a charging period. Mm-hmm. So maybe you're giving up an attack in one turn, but then you'll have an extra attack in the, in the next, because you're not having to use that star ability or that star allotment for a magical attack in the next turn. Right. So it, it kind of uses that, the what we were talking about with the bravely default where it's like, you're, you're sacrificing an attack in this turn, but then you're gaining it in another. Yeah. Yeah. So there's just yeah. There's a there's a ton like 
that can go in. You, you there no no two battles feel the same in Scarlet Grace. So it's uh, if that's your thing, then I I, I would highly recommend uh, trying that uh, that game out. Like I, I'm super intimidated by, but it's I think at some point if it went on sale, like I'd be like, okay, I, I do want to try this because I, I I want to know. Uh, all about. I want to try this for myself. I guess uh, it's just. I think it came out. It had a nice launch discount, but the price is still a little steep for something that I wasn't totally feeling at the moment. So we'll we'll see what happens. But um, yeah, kind of a good place to end. I think. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. This is the last call for alcohol this evening. Drink up, drink up, drink up, and order again. Uh, so that uh, that brings us to last call, and uh, this week uh, we had mentioned it earlier in the show. We are going to uh, do our top five uh, battle systems from based on the ones anyway that we talked about tonight. Like you said, there's hundreds of games, and there's so many battle systems um, that we we only have so much time to talk about them. So we're going to limit our top five battle systems to the to the ones that we talked about tonight. Mm-hmm. So maybe we'll start from five and alternate. And if Jordan want, you start with your number five. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, I was trying not to give away what uh, my order or my my top five games would be when we were talking. I I may have done that anyways, but uh, my number five is Chrono Trigger. Um, You know, it's not just a a combat system in one of the greatest games of all time. It's something that really makes you consider your positioning. And I I don't know that there's any other game on the list that does that. Like, I I love the fact that depending on which tech you use or which magic spell you use, you're going to hit certain enemies in a certain place. And you really do have to think about that. Like there's a, there's a dinosaur that you fight in the 65 million BC uh, where I, I think it it's maybe its claws or its, its, its uh, hands are kind of in line with its face. And if you use Chrono's uh, double tech with Ayla where he kind of flies across the screen in a straight horizontal line, I think you can hit all three parts of the dinosaur. And I, I just love stuff like that where you really need to think about which a, which party members to bring into battle and which abilities to use, not just your your single uh, character abilities, but your double or your triple techs. You need to know which one to use against which bosses. So uh, that, that's something that's really interesting to me. Uh, it, it's got the standard, it's your, your, your standard turn based, but the the fact that you're thinking about your position on the field and the enemy's position, uh, that that uh, it's got to be in my top five. Like I, I, I still really like that element. And uh, there's a game that we didn't talk about, but Gosh, the name is... I can't believe I'm forgetting the name right now. Um, the, there's that Chrono Trigger indie game that came... It's not oh, uh, Trigger, Co- Cosmic Star Heroine? Cosmic Star Heroine, where it's the closest thing I've seen to the Chrono Trigger battle system, where you're thinking about the position of enemies when you're doing attacks. And so uh, if you like Chrono Trigger, and that's the, that kind of battle system is your jam, please check out Cosmic Star Heroine, which is constantly going on sale. It came, it came to, sh- uh, to Switch last year, but it's uh, it's often going on sale for like 30 to 50% off, so you can get a good deal on it too. And it's on other platforms as well. Uh, I, I think I got it on... I think I originally played it on uh, PS4, even though I was waiting for it on Vita. So there's a lot of places to play Cosmic Star Heroine if you are looking for something that's like Chrono Trigger in terms of the battle system. Yeah, and it's and it's even uh, a little bit different from Chrono Trigger in that mm-hmm. the, the turns... You can't just spam one turn like or one one combat maneuver because uh, you have to recharge the move. That's right. Yes. Yes. That's yes. Right. They so, add that wrinkle in. Good yep. point. So you have like five or six moves that you can do, but then if you want to reuse a move, then you have to uh, use a turn up to to recharge mm. them. Um, Good so point. So yeah, there's there is a, a li- so it's not 
it's not just more of the same. There is a, a wrinkle to it. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's definitely cool. worth it. Um, so my number five, it's actually going to be interesting to see if this one moves up in the list uh, as time goes on, because my number five is Bravely Default. Mm, yeah. I, I'm not, I, I'm several hours into it, uh, probably eight to 10 or so. But the, the thing that I like about Bravely Default is that often I kind of get with, with JRPGs, you can kind of get into that comfort zone and, and kind of tune out, not have to think too much. And what I've liked about Bravely Default is that it, it, it kind of pushed me around a bit. It's it, I couldn't just kind of, like you said, spam the, uh, the attack or the magic or the the way I had started Bravely Default is I was, uh, like you said, I was, I was trying to just come, come at them with my strongest attacks and brute force my way through. And, and the game just kept saying, this isn't going to work. This isn't going to work. And a couple, <laughs> yeah, exactly. a couple beatings from a boss is, is really like, okay, I, this isn't like, no, like they're not going to let me brute force my way. So I gotta, mm-hmm. I gotta change my thinking here. And, I think that's uh, the the thing I've liked most so far about Bravely Default is that it, it's not it, it's different from what I've played and it it makes it's making me think in ways that I'm not used to. Yeah, it forces you to learn its system, or else suffer the consequences, <laughs> or or just 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 you can't make any progress. You you need to deal with what it's giving you. Yeah, and it's funny um, when I started playing, it was I did not realize that you could turn off random encounters until our episode last week, and you had mentioned uh, that, yes. that you could do that, and that that's changed that's changed things considerably for me, especially uh, when going into dungeons. I mean, I wouldn't call it part of the combat system, but that feature needs to be in every RPG <laughs> for the rest of time. Like that, that is it is absolutely genius. I can't believe we don't see that in every game that comes out these days. Like. If if anyone is making an RPG right now that's listening, I implore you, please <laughs> yeah. make a scale for the random encounters where you can crank it up to 200% and just have one every two steps or be able to turn it off to zero when you just want to explore a bloody dungeon or do some backtracking. My gosh, how was that not... I, I could talk for 30 minutes about that. How <laughs> is this not in every game? That, that That is... It is genius. It is brilliant. Like... You know, kudos to the, the the Bravely team for coming up with something like that. It, maybe it's been in other games, too, that I've just uh, ignored or, or or not seen yet. But, uh, yeah, if someone knows a game, uh, other games that, that have this feature, like, talk to me about them. Like, I, I, I love this element. So, yeah. And and uh, we, we know that the Final Fantasy ports have them, but uh, that's they, right. they that's were right. put in after the fact, obviously. So. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Jordan, so you're number four. Yeah, so... Um, I, I I'm gonna kind of split the difference and just call this the the persona battle system because uh, persona five and four are so similar. Um, I I love the fact that uh, you have an opportunity to prevent the enemy from attacking. Like you can if you are paying attention or you you just you have the right setup that you bring into the battle and you can knock the enemy down and keep knocking them down. Uh, it's just really satisfying. It's very satisfying to uh, prevent an enemy from attacking or know that if you hit their weak spot with this one attack or you finally figure it out, uh, you're going to have a chance to win a battle that maybe you weren't going to win otherwise. So you you are so rewarded for finding enemy weaknesses with this system. And I, I really appreciate that fact. So uh, yeah, Persona, the Persona series, all the games that kind of use that similar uh, finding the weakness and then uh, knocking the enemy down and then doing the all out attack after that. I, I just, I love that whole system. So I'm a big fan of that. Big fan of the Persona games. You know, want to see more of that system too. Yeah. And uh, my number four is uh, the Radiant Historia. I really loved that first time that you piled three or four enemies on top of each other and then you know, hit him with a fire blast or something. It, yeah, it's very satisfying, and it's uh, it, again, it's so it's so unique because so few games 
use that grid system that it, it was uh, a fresh uh, breath of fresh air to, to kind of get that new I was like playing so new like, I was thinking um, when we were talking about Persona that you know it wasn't that long ago that I played it it was only a couple years ago but it was probably 200-ish games ago <laughs> so it's it's one of those things where you play games so like play so many games that are similar that when one comes along that's different it, it really leaves an impression so that that's what i i remember from reading the story is is whenever you have these unique systems uh, that's what sticks sticks out yeah and i'm with you like why why haven't we seen more of this like why it's surprising we, we find these these new mechanics and uh they're generally enjoyed or universally appreciated but it seems like people don't take stock of that or they're like ah oh, you know someone else did that i'll just do something different but you know, with RPGs and, and turn-based combat, there's so many games that just do kind of the bare bones. Like, why not throw in uh, radiant history mechanics? Like, have that have that grid system. I mean, I guess we see that kind of in tactics games. You you do see a grid that, and you can you can do hits on a grid or something like that. But um, it's surprising that we don't see that uh, all the mechanics of radiant history used more often. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, your number three. Yeah, so I had to put this above. Uh, the Persona games, because I, I, it's kind of an extension of it. And that's uh, Tokyo Mirage Sessions. Uh, so you're going to get a chance to experience this, David. But yeah, the the fact that the chaining is just nuts. Like the the I, I don't think there's another game where you want to watch the combat as much as you want to watch it in this game. Like it it's truly engaging in that way, uh, like like other games just aren't, you know, turn based combat like there there's it it's action games do have the the visual sp- uh, spectacle. They do have things you want to see and you have to pay attention to kind of where you're aiming and where you're positioned. And so you, you're you're automatically forced to be more visual about it. But Token Rush Sessions is the, in terms of a turn-based system, I don't think there's one that uh, is a, is more of a treat to the eyes than this game. It, it, it again, is super satisfying to see all your attacks linked together. When your characters start singing and dancing and do a super powerful attack, you, you just get caught up in it. Like the music in the game is great. And then for these attacks to be just kind of, I, I don't know if they, they, they kind of happen randomly or spontaneously or whatever, but um, when they, when they do occur, you're just like, oh yeah, like it, it, this is awesome. Like you, you just love seeing it. So yeah, I, again, can't wait to hear your thoughts on it, but uh, a top three battle system for me, for sure. And it's a shame that more people aren't playing this game, especially RPG fans, because uh, I imagine that a lot of people who do pick it up will just be entranced by this combat system. Yep, yeah, looking forward to it. Uh, looking forward to seeing it uh, in in person and not uh, GIF form on Twitter. So that's right. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, my number three is uh, is actually Chrono Trigger, and uh, it I I enjoy it for all the reasons that <laughs> you had mentioned before that. Um, it has that traditional system, but then it has uh, on top of that the. Uh, the the added uh, active time battle and the the positioning um yeah it's just great and the fact that it's one of the the greatest RPGs ever made just kind of helps helps with that uh, putting it up the list so and uh, I I think I just had to have one of those classic SNESs up there and up in the top three so that's that's where I'm going with my number three sounds good yeah yeah can't fault you for that uh so one and one and two are really tough for me because. I, I couldn't decide. It's really a 1A, 1B, or I, I wish I could give them both number one. But um, I'm going to put number two as... God, I'm still I'm still torn on it. <laughs> I, I've literally... I really, I'm looking at a piece of paper that has the numbers one and two and the two names. And then I've drawn an arrow 
that's kind of pointing at the two games as if I'm supposed to interchange them. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I have a feeling I think I know what the two games are, but I'm not sure I don't, where you're going to go. <laughs> I don't I don't know either. I, I really don't know. Um, so I'm going to go with what I think I was trying to write down here. Uh, I'm going to put Bravely Default number two. Um, Bravely Default is a game that ha- maximizes uh, or uh, utilizes risk and reward in a, in a way that I've never seen before. I love the fact that you can uh, cash in actions when you you can take actions when you it, you don't have them right like you you can go into debt using attacks because you're so uh, you know you're gonna win this round or you just you just you just don't care you just, just it's the epitome of reckless abandon right like totally throwing caution to the wind and being like you know f this I'm gonna take this guy down <laughs> on one turn and yeah. if I don't I'm probably gonna die but that's okay like it. it Bravely Default is a game that it creates those moments where you're about to die. You, you can't survive another round. You you have you 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 have the ability to go into debt and do four attacks. And if if these all hit, you 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 might you might take down the boss. You have no idea. But it creates those awesome uh, RPG moments that we all live for, where you you literally kill the boss on your your final attack. Right. So imagine your team is taking sixteen attacks. And it it takes it takes all the way until the sixteenth strike to bring it down. Like you get those moments of just like pure joy, and uh, it's it's indescribable. You know, like I I love a game that can create more of those moments. And so, bravely default, yeah, great combat system, meaningful defending, like we talked about. Just just such a good game, I, man. I there's a ton of great games coming out this year that we know. There's probably some great games coming out that we don't know about. I don't know that I'm I'm more hyped for a game in 2020 than Bravely Default 2. Like when I saw that at the Game Awards, I was like, I was like dancing with my two year old. Like we were just partying, and I, I was so stoked for that. So yeah, Bravely Default like a solid number two. It's almost number one. Uh, we'll get there in a second, but yeah, yeah. great great combat system. You gotta try it. So my number two is is for very similar reason in the sense that um, so my number two the the final boss uh. I the very very final boss of the game. Everyone was everyone was defeated. There was only one character left. Yeah, that was Joker. <laughs> yeah. He was he might have had ten hit power left. Like there was absolutely no way that I was gonna survive the next hit. I think I had put like thirty minutes into the final boss or forty five minutes at this point. I was so depressed when I was about yeah. to do the attack. <laughs> <laughs> and I like I consider just turning off the game in in, in a rage, and I'm like, oh, these it's... are the feelings we feel when we're playing RPGs: depression, rage, joy. Yep. Like <laughs> this then, is part of the experience. When I saw the boss go down, the I think I I think I leapt five feet out of my seat because I couldn't believe yeah, that it yeah. was uh, that I had made it because I was I was so not looking forward to doing all that over again. <laughs> so it was yeah, of course the the sheer joy that came out, um, and especially when like. You're 90 or I think I was 90 hours deep into it at this point, too. So it's like you're exhausted and you're just like you want yes, to see the yes. end. But yeah, the, the to have kind of the simple like it, it's simple and complex at the same time. Like it's mm-hmm. you got your physical and magical and then but to have the personas and then the, it's funny that you would think that seeing those um the, the funny like comic comic scene after you defeat all the enemies with a with a team attack. You, yeah. you think you get tired of it, but I just never did. Like I always love seeing Morgana with the cigar. Like it yeah, was there's just a, there's a style to it that yeah. is 
Uh, again, it's something we've never really seen before, but it, it's just such a cool game. Like you, you feel cool when you're playing it and the people that are making it like they're, they're total bosses, right? Like yeah. uh, it's just, just oozing with style. You know, anyone who's talked about the game or played it knows this. Like it, it's, yeah, it, again, another visually impressive, but just su- such a bold step forward for kind of animation and presentation of a combat system. Yeah. Yeah. So absolutely love it. So, mm-hmm. so the number ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know, I know. I've given mine away, but um, it really did tear me apart trying to choose between these two. Uh, Octopath Traveler. Uh, I I know for for all the faults that people found with it, um, it's still one of my one of my favorite games, and I, and I see those faults too in terms of the narrative and stuff. But no, no RPG in my mind has done a turn based combat system so well and made it so immersive you just you really feel that every action you take in combat matters like you feel like uh your decisions are so impactful in this game uh whether you're still trying to figure out enemy attacks or whether you're casting uh you're throwing items at a character to you know give them like four turns or four four charges to use four turns the next uh the next round of combat um you really really have to think about what job classes you bring into battle, what abilities you have equipped on you. The the end of the game, kind of the, the post-game, I suppose, I suppose is this in, insane uh, uh, boss gauntlet. And the, you know, you've, you've got, uh, it kind of ends with the with these two final bosses that split your party into two, two groups of four. And you, you need to kind of be perfect in terms of, again, finding the enemy weaknesses, uh, breaking them down. And just yeah, which which party you bring to to which fight? I guess what what care what job classes you bring to which fight? Yeah, Octopath Traveler is is the combat system I want in every JRPG. I if every game was like that from now on, I I would I would never be disappointed. I'd be like, this is so thrilling to me. Yeah, and Neil would hate that because he wants variety. But uh, <laughs> I I love I love this combat system i cannot wait for the sequel there's obviously got to be a sequel to this game there i know they're doing like a mobile version which it might be the first mobile uh you know rpg i ever play just because i i'm so interested in what this game does especially in terms of the battle system so uh octopath traveler man if you haven't experienced the combat there's a there's a a, a fairly extensive demo on the eShop. at least play the demo and try the combat so you know what that's like if if you haven't played bravely default uh, I mean, there's a demo for that too, but you know, try out these battle systems because they're so bloody engaging and so fun. Yeah, you know, what more can I say? Like Octopath Traveler, number one battle system for sure. Yeah, and like you said, I mean, there was there, there was criticism, critiques of Octopath, but never the battle system. Like it was always something else. You like, can't. It's it's beyond reproach. Yeah, the like, people may. Uh, I myself wasn't thrilled with the the way the story was presented, but. How dare you? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but, but uh, I I can't uh, can't argue with the battle system. That's that's a good battle system. But no, my number one is um. So this because we're basing this purely on battle system. This better not be Final Fantasy VIII. This is. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought about that. I'm like, oh, here it comes. Oh, I should have pulled it. If I that would have been a pull it a fast one on you. That yes, would have been it would. Funny. No oh, man, should have thought of that. No, I was I was sticking to the rules. I went with okay, uh, okay. Saga Scarlet Grace. I just really that, okay, okay, yeah. good. If we're just talking combat systems, like, yeah, yeah, that's that, fair. That that's the one I got to go with because it's so it, it's it that's it's it's almost uh, just the fact that 
it's the whole variety thing like being able to go at a battle in like a hundred different ways just it every it always stays fresh like it, it and it worked for the game like they because they set up the story to kind of work perfectly where it just kind of complemented it was like okay we know the con we know you're here for the combat so we'll have like these short little intermissions of of you know characters interacting and mm-hmm. and and they had very good like short things were never all like there were serious things going on but at the same time like there was a lot of levity in it so so it, it complemented the the combat which obviously was the focus very well and uh just yeah like uh, if we're talking purely combat uh, i don't i don't know if i've played uh anything that that's beat it now i like I don't think this would translate into like it's not like I could say oh you know give me the story of Final Fantasy but with the combat of Scarlet Grace because I just don't mm-hmm. think they I don't think it works like it doesn't when you when you have something a good story like you can't have that much focus on combat so the it, it's kind of like if if I'm playing a game for combat this is what I would want to play but but yeah if I'm I'm looking for something more story based I'd want to go to a little bit more simple and that's kind of where I went with my one and two right. Well, now what I, and you're going to have to give us an update on the pod, but I, I want to know later uh, where you're going to put Tokyo Mirage Sessions, uh, considering how high Persona is for you uh, and the, the obviously the obvious similarities between those two. So uh, you'll have to give us an update in, the, in a few a few weeks or a month when you've got a chance to sink your teeth into that one. Yeah, that sounds good. I'm sure we might even do a full episode on it at some point, too, later we on. We could, yeah. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, that was, uh, oh, she's. Hour and a half. I feel yeah. like we felt like we could have added like ten more games on top of it. <laughs> I mean, we. I mean, we didn't even. We could have gone through all the individual Final Fantasies. We 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 touched on twelve, and I think twelve is a really interesting battle system. Like we, <laughs> there just isn't enough time in the, in the day. But yeah, and then uh, I mean, future episodes we could even get into like you said the games like uh, Dragon Age Origins where it's. Uh, it's not really a turn based per se. There, there's the auto attacks. Uh, it's funny when we first started the episode, I was even thinking of bringing up uh, Xenoblade Chronicles Two because I think that's a wonderful combat system. Yeah, but. yeah. We'll we'll have to lump it in when we do maybe just just a non turn based uh, combat system episode. We talk about Western RPGs and and a- action RPGs and things like that. Like, yeah, there's there's a lot of games, even Japanese games, that will fit in that category where you're. It, it it's clearly there's moving around, there's action to it. It's not turn based, and uh, well, well, yeah, I, I'd love to get into those too. Yeah, exactly. Knights of the Old Republic, stuff like that. Yes, so. yes, for sure, for sure. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, uh, Jordan, what uh, what do you have going on this week? Uh, oh boy, Nintendo World Report duties. Yeah, I'm uh, still knee deep in Atelier games. Uh, I've uh, I'm, I'm almost at the, the end of the second one, so I'm gonna have a review for that one out soon. I've got. Uh, uh, a review for Atelier Aisha, which is kind of the first of the Dusk trilogy, which just came out. Uh, I've got a review on NWR for that one, so you can check that out. Um, Atelier Shally is one I'm working on now, and then there's one more. Uh, I might be all atelier out after this. I might not be able to play <laughs> another one for a long time, but uh, I'm, I think I'm I'm higher on them than I was going in. So that's kind of my, my overall impression so far. Uh, we'll see if that maintains its way to the third game. Um, I've got... Uh, uh, a review for 1980X, uh, which is kind of a, a weird uh, uh, retro... Uh, it's, it's like a combination of five games, and it's tied into this uh, narrative about uh, discovery of uh, discovery of the arcades, you know, uh, back when uh, gaming was first starting to become really popular. Uh, so that's a really cool game you want to check out. Uh, I've got a review and a video for that on NWR uh, and our YouTube channel, NWRTV. Um, I did want to give a shout-out to a couple things. Um one is uh, I did a podcast on the 
with the Switch Island guys. Uh, they so they have got a podcast and a website. Uh, we did a an episode of their uh, Desert Island Cartridge series where they they take one, uh, they invite one one guest and you talk about one game. You're kind of your Desert Island game. Uh, and I talked about Super Metroid, which I think is it's an incredible game, and anyone who's played, it, I'm sure, uh, fell, fell in love with it. Um, but I talked about that. So if you if you're interested, uh, you can check out the the Switch Island podcast. I'm sure you can find it, you know, where wherever you find your podcasts, and uh, check out the Desert Island Cartridge episode uh, about uh, Super Metroid with me. Uh, I think it's a pretty fun one. So uh, yeah, give that a shout out. And then uh, Don Koopman and I just recorded um, a November and December uh, eShop Action Committee podcast where we talk about. Uh, the uh, smaller eShop games that we played uh, over the month uh, that should be posting soon. Uh, so eShop Action Committee, you can look that up on uh, podcast players as well. Yeah, that's great. And then uh, everyone mm-hmm. can uh, follow you on Twitter at Riskman sixty four. Yeah, that's right. And uh, yeah, so for me, I'm I'm right now I'm all in on uh, future episodes. <laughs> so I've yes, got a, yes. I've got a an RPG on. Uh, almost every system I have connected to my television at this point. I've You're a madman. I don't know. How, I don't know how you do it. That's it's too much for me. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I got. So I'm playing um, uh, Near Automata for uh, two weeks from now, and um, so that's on my PlayStation Four. Uh, I got um, Transistor on my Switch, which will be part of the episode next week. Yeah, I gotta play that too. I've got uh, Paper Mario Thousand Year Door hooked up. I got my GameCube. GameCube hooked up to the television, so playing that. I've got, uh, I guess I'm allowed to say, there's a, uh, uh, I'm doing a beta, playing the beta for uh, a new scenario for Frostpunk. Cool. Um, okay. The the last autumn and playing uh, bravely default on my 3ds. <laughs> yes, yes. And this this is in addition to the uh, the backlog of Christmas games and other other games we're planning to play in the near future too. No, oh, exactly. Yeah. Well, I I just finished. I actually had six on the go because I we just finished Final Fantasy Five for last week's episode. That's right. And then uh, when when near, I guess I'm my plan. I guess is just to replace the the games on the systems as I beat them because uh, after near, I'm going to be playing uh, Yakuza Zero. Yeah, that's going to be a really fun episode. I can't wait to talk about that game. Yeah, and then I know I've got others that that are on my shelf, and uh, mm-hmm. there's just too many too many to think about at this. point. I'm still waiting for a bloody memory. I ordered a memory card on eBay for my GameCube, uh, so I can start playing Thousand Year Door. <laughs> I I uh I played Luigi's Mansion last year without a memory card, so I had to beat the whole thing in a day, which isn't isn't that hard. But uh, I'm not starting Paper Mario Thousand Year Door without a memory card because uh, <laughs> I, I would hate I'd hate to lose my save data uh, and then have to to go through it again. So. You'd have to play old school style where you just leave it on pause while you leave the house and then you just come back and pick it up again. Yeah, no, with no uh, turning off the power. With a two and a half year old walking around, if he sees that orange light uh, on the GameCube, I know he's pressing that button. So I'm not uh, yeah. taking any chances. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so yeah, so you can follow us on Twitter at the Thirsty Mage. Uh, usually, uh, can find our stuff through there, and uh, you can subscribe to us on your podcast player of choice. And uh, yeah, if you like the episode, if you could, uh, if you have time to give us a review, that'd be great. Helps with the visibility, and uh, helps with uh, the referrals. So that'd be great. But otherwise, I want to thank everyone uh, for listening. And thank you, Jordan, for joining me for uh, an episode on Battle Mechanics. and uh... An episode 40 minutes longer than I think we thought it would be. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Not complaining. It was great. but Yep. No, exactly. Every time we think we got a short, we're going to do a short and quickie. It, it ends up going about twice I as know, long. So. I know. Yep. It's all good. So, uh, and that'll probably be the same for next week when we, mm-hmm. we talk about Transistor and uh, a couple of those Atelier games. So That's right. 
Well, uh, thanks everyone for listening, and we'll see you next week at the Thirsty Mage. See ya. Bye.